ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Superflex Super Show. This is your start sits part two for the week. We're going to be, uh, I'm here with John Micklin, Big Irish. John, how you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I'm just watching my brother, Red Crusaders, beat the Maris Redhawks. Uh, it's a great Friday night. Getting ready there you for go. a good week of football here. That's awesome. That's how you kick off football, man. You you get the you know the high school get under the the high school lights on Friday nights and uh, and and you know put a whooping on uh, on a rival. So that that that's always good, man. But um, real quick before we get started, I do want to let you let you listeners know about another great podcast, and that is the Dynasty Crossroads. Dynasty Crossroads is the podcast where. P- Peter Howard and Jake Anderson discuss dynasty player values from both a film and analytical perspective. It helps you make your final analysis on that given player. It's a really fun listen. It kind of marries two different worlds together. I would definitely recommend giving it a listen. You can find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or you can go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com and follow the uh, all the great DLF family of podcasts on there, and that is part of it. So Dynasty Crossroads, definitely a good a good podcast to uh, to listen to. I highly recommend it. So, um, John, before we get started, before we break down these uh, these matchups here, um, I'd like to, uh, to to bring in Ethan and uh, and do kind of a back and forth with him on the injuries, John. So if you don't mind, I'm going to dismiss you for a second so I can do that. Is that cool? That's great. He's awesome. Good, good, good job. Awesome. All right. Let me go ahead and do that real quick with Ethan. Then let's go through some of these injuries here. Sam Darnold. What's going on with Sam Darnold? We heard mono. Uh, how, uh, what, what is it with mono that keeps people from playing? How severe is it? And is this just something that he can play through or is this something that, that uh, is, is pretty severe? I think with mono, especially with football players, you know, it's kind of a joke. Oh, ha ha. He, he's kissing someone. And now he has you know, mono because you think of it as like a disease you get in high school. Um, but mononucleosis is actually a really serious infection that can be especially dangerous to athletes and contact athletes, especially. Um, what happens is, is part of not necessarily all of it. I'm not going to go into the whole uh, uh, epidemiology of mononucleosis. You have Google, you can look that stuff up. But one of the symptoms is that your spleen actually swells up. And athletic activity, which causes uh, high impact to that area, could put the athlete at serious risk for the spleen rupturing, which is clearly a very, very serious situation, um, which is that is the reason that most physicians put kind of three weeks away from athletics as part of the plan to uh, when an athlete gets mononucleosis to kind of protect them from their spleen basically rupturing while they play. Uh, they're waiting for that, that uh, inflammation and swelling to, to come back down, which puts it farther into and puts it more into its natural position, which is a little bit more padded than when it gets swollen up. Um, and then once the fever subsides, then, then the, usually the, the docs will clear them to go back to playing. Um, right now, I think week five is kind of the soonest that we can expect uh, Darnold to return. That's the, about that. That's after that three week uh, window where that swelling is most prominent. Um, again, it's it's very serious, but it's also one of those things that you don't see very often. So I don't think a lot of people understand just how serious it could be. So, again, it doesn't mean that uh, the good news is that it's not something that is likely to come back. So it's not something that increases his risk 
for the rest of the season, like a sprain or a strain would. It's just one of those kind of fluky things where we're probably going to miss him for a month just because he he got this this uh, condition. Okay. See, this is all news to me because I didn't know that uh, that mono really affected your spleen in that way and that it was so dangerous to, especially, you know, in a contact sport like this, that it would be uh, so dangerous to, to, you know, kind of push the envelope there, so to speak. So it sounds like a, a best case scenario is week five. What do you think worst case scenario would be for a guy like Dar- uh, Darnold with this? Obviously, the infection has to uh, go through its full course. So, usually three to four weeks is all it takes. Um, if the infection lingers, you could be talking five, six, seven, but it's very unlikely with somebody that's getting, you know, basically the best care that he, that you can get. Um, it's very unlikely. They caught it early. They knew exactly what it was. Um, he started getting the antibiotics and the treatments for it. Um, I, very unlikely that it goes much longer than, than three to four weeks. Okay, so that's the window that we're looking for with Darnold. That's excellent news. Um, at least we know what we can expect with Darnold. What about Trevor Simeon? We saw he kind of stepped in to fill that role, and that injury did not look good. It, it, it looked uh, pretty ugly here. Are we expecting Trevor Simeon back to, to be able to, to step in and replace uh, some of the uh, missed time by Darnold, or is this going to be a long-term thing? No, Trevor Simeon is out for the year. Uh, his ankle kind of exploded. Uh, which is never never a good sign when your ankle moves the way that his did. I, I believe it was a dislocation posteriorly, which is kind of uh, kind of a rare. Normally, when you see a dislocation of the ankle, it's because it got twisted, like somebody uh, fell. Um, a lot of times, you'll see that when people tackle people from behind, their foot kind of gets wrapped up, and then their leg twists kind of a funky direction. Tyler Eifert had that happen to him. Uh, OBJ a couple of years ago had the same thing. That's what you typically would expect with an ankle dislocation. Uh, with Simeon's, it was kind of, it was kind of a weird mechanism where basically he stepped, he got hit and stepped backwards and his leg like kept going backwards um, when it dislocated. So very possible that he has a fracture regardless. Um, uh, we haven't really heard much about what's actually wrong with the ankle, but I can tell you that, uh, he will not be playing again this year as they get that kind of addressed, uh, until Darnold come back, comes back. It looks like Luke Falk is the guy that's going to be, uh, the starter for the jets. Not exactly what you want to hear for a third stringer, but I didn't think he played too horribly, uh, uh, once he came in for Simeon last week, I think he was, I think he completed like 20 something passes out of 20, like 21 out of 26. So um, no touchdowns or anything, but I really felt like he looked um, serviceable as a backup quarterback. So we'll have to see this week. I know I'm pretty sure he starts against the, uh, the Patriots, which is not the defense that you want a guy that's making his first NFL start to have to go through, but that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, not an ideal situation for Luke Falk, and it was a pretty conservative game plan on Monday when he did have to come in, which you would kind of expect at that point, but, you know, to his credit, he definitely did look decent. I mean, he made the throws that he was allowed to make and took the checkdowns that were there, so let's, let's, go, let's go to the next player here, and we got Devin Singletary. This is a guy that a lot of people have been excited about. He was a rookie. Uh, he's, a, he's a rookie this year. He came into Buffalo. He actually looked good during his playing time. Looked like this was a guy that was building some momentum to actually, you know, get garner some some playing time and maybe uh, even 
you know, be, be a guy that you can count on in your flex position. Uh, what, what's going on with him? It sounds like uh, he's injured as well. Um, what, what can we expect from Devin Singletary? Singletary is dealing with a hamstring strain, which is never a good thing when you talk about a guy that uh, relies on basically accelerating quickly. So uh, hamstring strains, we've seen them just absolutely derail promising seasons. Last year, it was Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Uh, This year, obviously, Singletary is dealing with one. He's missed practice now for two days in a row, Wednesday and Thursday. Unless he practices on Friday, I really don't think we end up seeing Singletary this week, which means it could be the Frank Gore show. And that is uh, not ideal. But again, um, I I think it it just uh, it speaks more to the fact that I just don't expect Singletary to play. And I think that Josh Allen might have to carry a little bit of the rushing load this week as well. Oh, I think we know that he's more than capable of doing that. Now, my question for you is if Singletary does get in a limited practice on Friday, would he be, and and he were available to suit up, would you expect him to be limited this week? I don't know because we haven't really seen him take over as a a bell cow uh, back as far as just touches. You know, he hasn't had a ton of touches. So could he be limited in his explosion? Yes. Could he still see uh, even more workload than what he saw last week? Also, yes. So I think that it's one of those situations where you're not going to be able to tell if they are taking it easy with him because we've never actually seen them give him the reins, give him the football, you know, 20 times in a game. I think he had something like he's only had like nine carries. So uh, the fact that we haven't seen him take a full workload means that even if they're reducing his workload from what they were had hoped that he would be at by week three, uh, we won't really know. So uh, it's possible that he plays really well on limited snaps again, but it's also possible that he has a pretty rough week just because he doesn't have that explosion uh, that he had in weeks one and two where he was making some big plays. Okay. Yeah, that's and that's fair, you know, not knowing what his role is going to be and knowing that he hasn't had that uh, that that type of role, you know, where he dominates touches. Yeah, it'll be hard to know. Uh, maybe he's if he does play, you know, maybe we can expect those eight to nine touches still uh, because it's not too, you know, overly using him, um, even if he is hurt. So let's go on to the next player. We got David Njoku and the hit he took Monday night, Ethan. It, it, it did not look good. I mean, he got upended. He landed directly on his head. You could see his neck kind of kind of hit, and it sounds like he he hurt his wrist as well. What's going on with David Njoku? Is there multiple injuries here? Is it just the one, and, and what can we expect out of him moving forward? Initially, I think the reports were that Njoku is just dealing with a concussion, which is kind of expected when a guy that big falls that far directly on his head. Uh, that was that was the one that I think everyone was more concerned about. Oh, he's got a concussion. You know, we have to make sure that he clears concussion protocol and all these things. Uh, but then uh, by Tuesday, it comes out. There's some rumblings that it's not just a concussion. He actually has possibly a very serious wrist injury as well. So uh, he gets flipped on his head, like you said. Um, I, I, I haven't, I've, I've watched it a couple times, but I haven't watched it since all the news about his wrist came out to see if that was all on the same play or maybe he hit his wrist the play before. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I can tell you that the, the wrist is the thing that's going to keep him out longer than the concussion. Well, uh, they're talking about possibly making him have surgery for the wrist 
Uh, he's getting second and second and third opinions. is like all these guys do when they have to end up having surgery. Usually that means that the first opinion they got was not a, an opinion that they liked. So they're trying to find someone else that says, Oh no, you don't need to have surgery. You'll be good to go. in in three weeks, not four weeks, um, the timeline that they gave him, if he had surgery was four weeks, but we have seen this with wrists before David Johnson is kind of a textbook example where, uh, yeah, he had wrist surgery and then he didn't get back in like the five to seven weeks that they came out with for whatever reason, the timelines, especially this year, I feel like in reports are very generous. Uh, I, I haven't agreed with a lot of them. I talked about it last week. I talked about it again this week, a few times where it's just like, man, four weeks, if they immobilize his, his wrist for three weeks, it only takes two days for muscle atrophy to occur. So basically your muscles weakness to, to creep in. It only takes two days of not moving. So if you're immobilized for even two weeks, uh, it's going to take some time to get basically that wrist moving the way that it was before and, and doing so in a, in a, a quick fashion is, I, I just, don't, I don't know, man. I just feel like this four weeks is very generous. I'm going to say it's probably closer to six, six weeks, um, maybe even creeping towards seven or eight. Uh, Demetrius Harris is the kind of the tight end that, that that's going to take the majority of the work now from Najoku and he's going to get the call. So uh, he'd be a guy that I think, I've picked up in a couple leagues where I'm just not really doing anything well at tight end. Maybe you have a, an OJ Howard like I do in Scott Fishbowl, and you're just just really just looking anywhere for somebody that's going to catch footballs because OJ Howard hasn't been doing it. So Demetrius Harris is a guy that um, if you're in a situation like that, you could look to to maybe maybe make some plays because he is he definitely has the the profile of someone that could make some plays in an offense. Yeah, we saw some shades of that in Kansas City when uh, when Harris was there. Uh, we just didn't see it very often with Travis Kelsey being there. So it's interesting that he finally kind of gets a chance here. It'll be interesting to see what he does with that. But uh, the main thing that I take away from this is, you know, if you have Najoku, you gotta you gotta figure something out at tight end in fantasy because it sounds like he's gonna be unavailable for quite some time when he does come back. You know, especially with the wrist, like you said, you know, there's some uncertain uh, uncertainty with the timeline there. If he does come back, you know, we don't know how effective he's going to be. You know, just coming off of that surgery as well. So uh, that's that's you know, some eye opening news there. Let's get to the Kansas city running backs. Cause this is uh, a lot of people are heavily invested in that Kansas city backfield. And it, it sounds like LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams are dealing with injuries. Uh, McCoy, we heard did, did get in a limited practice Thursday. So there's some hope for him. Damian Williams hasn't practiced uh, last I last we heard he's, he's walking with a noticeable limp. What's going on with these guys and what can we expect as far as time missed or um, you know, if they are, if, if McCoy is out there, can we, expect to to use him or or what yes i mean i think if one of those guys plays the the one that's more likely to play is mccoy he's dealing with an ankle sprain he did miss practice like you said he got a limited practice in on thursday which is always a good sign his mri came back negative so they're not dealing with any major damage to his ankle um, i think that mccoy ends up suiting up for this one williams i'm a little bit more concerned about he has a knee sprain. Um, he hasn't been practicing this week. No good reports coming out. Um, like you said, the the limp is noticeable. I always kind of take that with a grain of salt because uh, it, it's just like with A.J. Green who came out. Oh, well, a reporter came out and said, oh, well, he's running at full speed and he doesn't have a limp. Well, 
I'm sorry, it, this isn't a bash on reporters, but they're not trained to pick up on the subtleties of a limp. There's a lot that goes into gait and understanding how it works. And the majority of reporters just see a guy running fast and think, oh, he's totally good. He's good to go. He, I didn't see a limp. And in reality, you're not really looking for a limp. You're looking for those those very subtle things that's, that would indicate that they're favoring that side still. And I just don't think very many reporters can actually do that. So uh, the, the point of all that was that this this Williams knee strain uh, or sprain, whatever he's dealing with with his knee, uh, appears to be much more serious than what McCoy is dealing with. So I don't expect Williams to play. I do expect McCoy to play. But I think that McCoy is going to be uh, spelled a little bit with Darwin Thompson, who I think – uh, just given the fact that that offense just cannot be stopped right now is a very sneaky flex play this week, um, especially in DFS if you're trying to save a little bit of cash in your lineup. Um, Darwin Thompson could be a guy that sees significant amounts of work uh, that you wouldn't have to really necessarily pay up for. Okay, so yeah, what we can expect out of that Kansas City backfield is interesting. Always something to monitor with those guys. Playing Baltimore this week, though, so maybe temper some expectations no matter who you play out of them. Sterling Shepard, what's going on with Sterling Shepard? Uh, we heard last week you report on him. What's going on this week with him? Yeah, Shepard actually got some good news this week. Uh, he actually cleared his concussion protocol uh, on Thursday, So and and now he's practicing in full, so very unlikely that he misses the game Sunday. I expect him to play. Huge news for my guy, Daniel Jones, another weapon that's healthy that uh, that he can throw the ball to. He needs all the help he can get with, with as injured as that team is in that offensive line. So let's go to another player who was dealing with concussion injuries. This, this is a guy who we are growing accustomed to seeing dealing with the cus, uh, concussion issues, unfortunately, and that's Jordan Reed. What can we expect from Jordan Reed this week? Anything, or is he still he's still struggling with that? Yeah, Jordan Reed is not actually uh, cleared concussion protocol yet. Uh, again, I talked much more on this last week, so go back and listen to those pods. But uh, this is his seventh concussion, and I'm still concerned about his health. I think the team is is going, you know, uh, this is one of those players like Jordan Reed are what is getting the NFL in trouble with a lot of these the, the organizations that look and say, you're not taking player safety into account. And it's because the more research that we get on concussions and the severity and the long lasting effects after they get done playing football, the more you see uh, basically this. Uh, you, when you see players like Reed who have had so many reported concussions that are documented that we know he had it, uh, the NFL is going to get scrutinized if they bring these those types of guys back too soon. So I do not expect him to play again this week. Um, I think we could be talking multiple weeks from now before they actually say, okay, well, we gave him a whole month off. Normally we can get him back in a week. Um but because of his circumstances and the other thing we we don't know about Reed is if he is still having concussion symptoms we might not see him at all this year uh, we have seen in the past guys with multiple concussions they get hit hard enough and then we're talking months and months of them having symptoms and no team doctor is going to put a guy that is still complaining of these symptoms back on the field because it's it's actually gross negligence to do so. Um, I, I just feel like with Reed, 
you're hoping at four weeks that he start. I hope he clears soon because that means that he's not having the symptoms and things. But I mean, we could be talking end of the year before we actually hear anything about him coming back. So again, it's a lot trickier situation because it's just the history is there. Yeah. And a lot of these lawsuits are, are centered around the concussions and, and, you know, just brain got to be playing in playing a factor for a player who's had so many concussions, uh, you know, like you said, notated concussions, basically recorded concussions. Uh, this, this has to be uh, something that they they really are going to push to go slow on. So that makes total sense to me. Ethan, before I let you go, there's one more player I want to touch on, and that's Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is a guy who a lot of people have been relying on this year, uh, early in the year, to, to provide some fantasy points. And he left with an injury. What's, what's going on with him? Is he going to be back this week? Mac's been dealing with a calf strain. He actually hasn't practiced yet this week, but there are some some newer reports saying that he was working on a side field. So he's he's trying to get back to the point where he's practicing. If he gets a limited practice in uh, on Friday, I think we could see him playing. If he does not practice again on Friday, there's a very good chance that he misses Sunday's game. So uh, that's one that I'll, I'll be kind of updating people as we go. Um, but if he hasn't practiced up by Friday, I really don't expect him to play on Sunday. Interesting. So keep Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines uh, in, in our thoughts as uh, if Marlon Mack does miss. Those are guys that could benefit, especially because Naheem Hines is a pass catching back. And in the matchup that he currently has, pass catching backs normally do very well. So um, that's 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 all great news, Ethan. Thank you so much for providing all that for us. Uh, tune in next week where Ethan will again break down our injuries and we're going to throw it back. All right, John. So now that we got you back here, let's go ahead and uh, let's let's break down these games. OK, so we got the Bills and the Bengals. That's your first game. Tell us, what do you see here? Uh, who's who's startable? Who to avoid? I mean, uh, this uh, this game is, is definitely an interesting game. We're, we're kind of looking at it from a fantasy perspective with some uh, some puzzling eyes. So so who do we start here? Uh yeah. This isn't the best game on a slate, but it's uh, it's a good game. My green light for this game is Josh Allen, quarterback of the Bills. Uh, slow and steady wins the race, and uh, 20 fantasy points every week is what you're looking for in, uh, in a quarterback, and it's pretty much a secure play on a weekly basis. 250 yards passing, 50 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and uh, hopefully no interceptions uh, like last week. It's something I'll take on every week on a weekly basis. That's If you can get that from your starting quarterback, 20 solid points every week without really a question, that's – uh, that's that's where Josh Allen's going. That's I see again this week happening. Uh, he's really starting to improve as a quarterback. I think he'll be green light for a while, especially for this game. Nice. Yeah, Cincinnati has not been great against opposing quarterbacks, so I like it. John, what's your yellow light? Who can we proceed, maybe start, but have, have a little bit of caution, uh, some capped upside maybe? Well, you drafted Joe Mixon in the first couple of rounds early in the draft. Uh, you got you to gotta put him in your lineup. Um, but the Bills have a really tough run defense. Uh, um, the Bills defense really hurts Mixon's uh, fantasy day. Um, again, he only has 27 yards and 17 attempts so far this year. He might not be able to pad his stats much, stat that much this week, but uh, he's – uh, he's definitely, you got to put him in your lineup. Hopefully one of these days he breaks out. I'm not sure it'll happen this week. That's why it's a yellow light. Be careful, but you know, it's, you got to, hopefully he'll, his production will improve. Yeah, it's interesting. Saquon uh, last week had over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown on him. Chris Carson uh, didn't have that much success, 15 carries for 46 yards, but also found the end zone. So it looks like they're, they're running up a touchdown a game. Um, 
you know, so so maybe this is the uh, maybe this is the week that uh, um, that they get right. Actually, I'm sorry, it was Le'Veon Bell week one, uh, and Le'Veon Bell actually uh, 17 carries for 60 yards. He found the end zone as a receiver, where he yes. had six grabs for 32 yards and a touchdown. So either way, both uh, both running backs, uh, starting running backs, have found the end zone against the Bengals. So it's interesting to see, or against the Bills rather. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend holds up or not. Who's your red light? Who's a guy you're not starting in this game, no matter what? Uh, Tyler Eifert, Bengals, uh, the bills are great against the tight end and Tyler really hasn't been doing lighting up the world on fire. Uh, tight end is a tough stream. Uh, but in this week it's, he's really an avoid for me. Yeah, th- this is a guy who's who's kind of excelled already in the year, and I don't expect that to continue. I kind of like this. I think this is a tough matchup for him. Not a guy that I would uh, I would expect to do some big things. So um, I- I'm right there with you. I totally uh, I totally agree with you on that one. So I'm going to go to the next game, and I've got that one, and that is the Atlanta Falcons are in Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Um, so my green light is going to be Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Look, these are the top two wide receivers for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they they've been able to throw the ball with some success here. Um, but really, I mean, you look at week one, Keenan Allen really tore apart the Colts. He had a game, um, you know, Hunter Henry. They, they, there were several guys who really, Austin Eckler even, were, were able to make hay through the air against his Colts defense. Marcus Mariota is who they played week two. Um, they didn't really, didn't really do much week two, um, but it's Marcus Mariota. Let's be honest, Marcus Mariota. No offense, John, but he sucks. Um, and and so so I, I I don't I don't think there's very much to this defense here. Uh, this pass defense uh, for the the Indianapolis Colts. I'm starting both those wide receivers with uh, with no with ease with ease, John. So what do you think? Yeah, that's that's. That's a slam dunk right there. That's uh, they're going to light the world on fire. That's that you couldn't have picked two better players to put a green light on. McGlynn did not notate that he did not argue with me that that Mariota sucks. He had the chance. <laughs> wait, wait a he had the chance. <laughs> he didn't say anything. Notate that. All right. That's, he, looked, that's... he looked really bad last night. Yeah, oh looked, man, he yeah, looked brutal bad. Thursday night, didn't he? Oh, that was that was tough to watch. But okay, my my yellow lights Austin Hooper and look. Uh, Against the tight ends, the Colts have actually been pretty decent. Hunter Henry did, a, you know, got a little bit of work, four grabs for 60 yards. Um, you know, week two, uh, Dwayne Walker had four grabs for, you know, under 40 yards. So, I mean, the reception seemed to be there. The yardage just doesn't. Tight ends really don't seem to hurt them. They're pretty good against tight ends. I think if Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are getting their receptions, Austin Hooper is probably the odd man out here. Um, so I, I think I would, I would proceed. I mean, if you have Austin Hooper, he's been good enough to start. Um, so if you have to start him, I would start him. I just wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't expect a huge game out of Austin Hooper. What do you think, John? Oh, he came in the season with a lot of hype, Austin Hooper. He was, uh, he was definitely a lot of, he had a lot of buzz and a bunch of different podcasts I listened to. Uh, Indianapolis is against, against the tight ends isn't very good, but uh, I, I'm thinking maybe, you know, he can get anywhere from three to probably six catches somewhere from 40 to Hopefully, maybe seventy yards if you're lucky. But I, I'm I'm thinking I'll be a little more cautious in this just because of his. I yeah, I think probably four for fifty is probably what he's going to get here. So it's and that's that's being optimistic. 
Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. I think I think I'd proceed with caution is basically the way I would I would handle that. My red light is going to be the Colts running backs. So Marlon Mack, if he plays, if not Jordan Wilkins, these are guys that I I don't think I'm touching uh, this week. And so when you look at the Atlanta Falcons the first couple of weeks, you see, hey, Minnesota had some success. Twenty one carries for Dalvin Cook for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Man, I would take that. But again, you know, you, you got to remember Dalvin Cook had had a phenomenal game, but the very very next week, the Eagles played them, and they didn't have a, a, a back go over 30 yards. So um, this Falcons defense looks like they tightened up against the run week, too. I think this rushing attack for the Colts is probably, and I hate to say it, it's probably closer to the Eagles rushing attack than it is to Minnesota's early in the season. Minnesota's rushing attack has been pretty elite. Um, Marlon Mack, if he does play, it's he's going to be banged up. He's going to be less than 100%. And Jordan Wilkins, to me, isn't the talent that Marlon Mack is. So if Mack doesn't play, I think that uh, there's there's a there's I, I would I don't know that starting an indie running back is something I would do this week. Let's put it that way. I'd look elsewhere if I could. If not, if you have to flex someone there, you know I understand it. But in my opinion, man, I think you could probably do better. What do you think, yeah, there's a uh, someone there. If it's whether it's you know if Mac does it doesn't play, there's going to be carries. There somebody's going to get probably 15, 16 carries. It's uh, you know they have a pretty good offensive line in 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 Indy. So I, I'm not completely completely off on them, but I I understand it's it's something that you kind of I wouldn't wish for the world on this week against Atlanta's defense. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with that one, John. So before we go any further, I want to tell our listeners about a good friend of the show, the FF Mercenaries. A goal without a plan is just a wish. So stop wishing and start planning for your fantasy championship with the FF Mercenaries. Fantasy football mercenaries love it when a plan comes together. And this is an A-team of fantasy football minds. They're here to help you map out your path to glory. Whether you are looking for draft strategy during and throughout your draft dynasty roster consultations, in-season support, alternative scoring navigation, or DFS expertise, the Mercs are here to help you develop and execute the strategy that will help you destroy your league. So sign up now for your one-on-one consultation with a strategic specialist for your unique and specific needs. Rather, Visit ffmercs.com and use the promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW for 10% off your first consultation. That's a promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW at ffmercs.com ffmercs.com where winning is the only option. All right, John. So let's get back to it. You've got the next game. You have the Ravens and the Chiefs. Now this one, you went from a game that, you know, the Bills Bengals probably going to be pretty boring to, I mean, you just floored it, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pedals down to the floor, Ravens and Chiefs in Kansas city. What are we looking at here? Who are we starting? Who are we avoiding? What's going on? This has a lot of potential for a lot of scoring in, uh, I, uh, for, for my green light here, I'm not too sure about Patrick Mahomes this week, and I'm really not too sure about Lamar Jackson. I, I, these guys can go off, but I think Lamar Jackson's going to score a lot of points with his legs this week rather than with his arm. This is, uh, his legs might do the trick. Um, he might get 120 rushing yards this week. It's Kansas City's linebacker core is slow. They're not very good. And, uh, but their pass defense is, uh, is, is pretty good. So, I'm uh I'm my green light's Lamar Jackson. I even though I, he had some cupcake uh, games the first couple weeks of the season, um, I, he's got a little bit of tougher defense. It's very hard to play an Arrowhead, and um, 
I, I just don't think that he's going to have the same passing stats that he's been, you know, walked right into last couple games. So uh, look for Lamar in rushing. You get a lot more points for rushing yards than you do for a lot, for a pass for a hundred rushing yards. You get 10 points, a hundred rushing uh, passing yards is usually only four points in most leagues. So look for Lamar to rack up a lot of fantasy points with his legs this week. Yeah. I don't care how he gets me points, man. 120 yards. Think about it. If he has 120 yards rushing, a non-rushing quarterback, a traditional drop-back passer has to throw two touchdowns to match that. I'm good with it, man. If Lamar Jackson's getting me points on the ground, he's getting me points in my lineup. So you're yellow-white. Who is it that you're you're starting but with caution? Yeah, well, it's been confirmed Damian Williams is out. So uh, Sean McCoy was kind of banged up this week a little bit. Uh, him and uh, Darwin Thompson are taking the, the reins here. McCoy, like I said, is still a little bit banged up, but he should get most of the carries. Um the Chiefs should probably just stick to the pass in this one. I think uh, McCoy, even though he'll get the opportunities, I, I, I'm not really sure how this running this running attack is going to work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This this is a tough rush defense, like you, um, like you stated here, and the, 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 I'm I'm not sure that I like any of these backs enough to put them in against this uh, this defense. They're going to struggle. Um, the the only way they make hay, in my opinion, is as receivers out of the backfield. So we we'll have to keep an eye on that one. But who's your red white? Who are you not touching in this game? Yeah, Miracle Hardman. Um, um, the Ravens' defense secondary is a little banged up right now, but it still has a lot of speed. They can they can cover some people. Uh, um. Hartman might not have a an, an, uh, a super easy day, but it's this is really going to be a boomer bust day for everyone on 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 the on the Chiefs. Uh, I'm somebody's going to boom because there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, but I think someone's going to bust too. And I just think uh, it's going to be a boomer bust for everybody except Kelsey. I just think Hartman has the least chance to boom with all the rest of the weapons around there. I think he's. He's going to be the one that may not get the most points on this team. I think everybody else is going to kind of sprinkle the field a little bit, but I, I think Hardman's going to get lost in this game. I like that, man. I like that call. I think it's a good call. So the next game I have is the Jets are in New England to take on the Patriots. This should be very one-sided. My green light's going to Sony Michelle. Looks, I, I think New England's going to be up. I think Sony Michelle has a positive game script. He's going to see a lot of carries. He's going to be able to establish himself. They're going to have a lot of scoring opportunities, a lot of chances in the red zone. I think that helps a guy like Sony Michelle is going to get those touches. So he's my oh, green light. Yeah, what do you think, John? That's, um, that's great. I'm, Michelle's he's something special. Yeah, he's, he's getting more carries now. He, the, the Jets are not going to put themselves in good positions. Uh, they're going to be punting the ball a lot. The Patriots defense is just as good as the offense is. Uh, I, I, the Jets don't have a quarterback. Um, they're they're going to be punting. The Patriots will get the ball in good field position the whole game. They're going to want to run a clock out, take Michelle, feed him, feed him, feed him, and, and go. Yeah, man, that's that's what I'm seeing. I think this is a great game script for him. My yellow lights, Le'Veon Bell. And look, if you're going to start a Jet, Le'Veon Bell's the Jet to start because volume. I mean, he he just he, his volume. Remember last week, John, we were talking about how you know he was a little banged up with that shoulder, and you know his volume might not be there. And then the Jets proceeded to feed him the ball on Monday night, just a ton, and his volume just you know it's hard not to score fantasy points when you're getting the type of volume that Le'Veon Bell is. I expect that he's going to get a lot of volume again, especially with the third string quarterback now starting Luke Falk. I think, I think uh, we can, we can see Le'Veon Bell still get those numbers. I don't think the scoring opportunities are going to be there. I, uh, I, I would, you know, I think he has a ceiling this week going against uh, the Patriots, but he's going to get your points. So just, I would, I would uh, probably remain cautious on how many points he's going to get chip, but uh because I don't love the matchup, but 
he's just just by volume alone, the guy's going to score, right, John? Um, I'd be pretty cautious about that. I mean, I'm glad he's a yellow light for you because uh, Bill Belichick knows how to game plan uh, for for these situations. Um, you know, he'll pick one guy out that he wants to pick on, and he'll pick on Bell. There's not too many other options on this on this Jets team. So if they really shut down Bell, I mean, even he could get 20 touches and do nothing with them. So this is this is a good yellow light because I'm, uh, you know, that this is great, the, the perfect situation. Yeah, I, I could see them. I could see them early in the game, really shutting down Bell. But if this one gets out of hand, that that defense is going to be in the prevent. They're going to they're going to play back. They're not going to let them, you know, let the Jets score a big play over the top. And that's when Le'Veon Bell is going to make his hay. So it, it might come all in the second half. It might be all garbage time. But the whole entire second half of this game could be garbage time. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how this one plays out. Uh, garbage but, time but, points are still good points. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, uh, man. <laughs> they all count, right? They all right. count. So my red white is Robbie Anderson. And uh, again, I think the Jets are going to struggle to move the ball. Um, I don't think there's any chemistry there with Luke Falk and Robbie Anderson either. Uh, some of these other jet wide receivers may have worked with Luke uh, Falk a little bit more. Um, I don't think Robbie Anderson was working with anyone but the first team. So they've had maybe a week, what, six days to kind of get on the same page. I don't think that's long enough, especially against the Jets. He's going to draw their top corner as well. Um, and I think we know that uh, that Stephon Gilmore is is – you know, he's shutting people down early in the year. I don't think Robbie Anderson's going to get a whole lot of looks. So to me, he's the guy on the, uh, on the outside here. I would not start him unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's heard the news too, about Antonio Brown not being on the team anymore. So I just want to kind of throw that in here with the green, yellow and red, green, yellow and red lights, because uh, he's a red light and I don't think he might, he might not play again anywhere in the NFL, but just, uh, you know, if you're a Patriots fan or if you're, Looking at fantasy, just make sure he's out of your lineup for 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 off the Patriots anyway for good. Yeah, he's he's an absolute psycho, but we'll we'll skip that for now. Um, John, you got the next game. The Houston Texans are in LA to take on the Chargers. This is a fun one. Uh, what do you see here? Who's your green light? Oh, my green light's Austin Eckler. Um, he should get anywhere from probably seventeen to twenty-two touches. Uh, the majority of them will be on the ground. I, I could see him getting about one hundred thirty all-purpose yards this week. Um, he's he's a beast. He's been lighting it up. He's um, I'm not, I, I'm, I love that what he's doing. I'm glad he got the opportunity. It's fun to watch him play football. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, when you look at the, at, uh, this Houston defense and it's interesting because, uh, one of Fournette and Gardner Minshew were the only two guys that had carries, uh, against the Texans last week and they combined for over a hundred yards rushing. So that, that was kind of an interesting stat. And then week one, we did see New Orleans. And, uh, you know, again, that was in New Orleans on Monday night. Um, but, I mean, the Saints didn't really have much trouble. Evan Kamara had 13 carries for 97 yards. Tavius Murray, 43 yards on six carries and scored. So um, this is a run defense that I think can be had. It's, it's a, you know, you don't think about the Houston rush defense as being too poor. But I think this is a rush defense that numbers can be had against. And Austin Eckler has been putting up numbers all year. So I like it. Um, who's your yellow white? Who's a guy that you're going to start with caution here? Uh, Kiki, and do you love me? <laughs> Kiki QT, uh, the Texans, uh, after Hopkins, Fuller, and Duke Johnson catch all their targets, there might not be a lot much left over for, for Kiki against uh, a decent Chargers secondary. I, uh, I can see him getting lost in this game. Um, he's, uh, there's, there's some points to be had here, but I just think, uh, you know, there's going to be an odd man out, and I think it's going to be Kiki this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a good pass defense, Houston on the road, too. Uh, it's an interesting matchup for them to see if their passing game can uh, can travel here, especially uh, to L.A. But, uh, but yeah, I could see that. I could see him being the odd man out. Who's your red light here? Who's the guy that you're not starting at all? 
probably Duke Johnson. It was he was a he was a thing real quick in fantasy football for everybody. Uh, that thing's just not panning out. Uh, if, the te- if the Texans keep feeding Carlos Hyde twenty carries a game, I mean six carries and no catches does not make for a good fantasy week for anyone, especially some with the hype train that drove into town with uh, Duke Johnson. I, I don't know why they're not using him the way they're, they're, he should be using him and why Carlos Hyde has taken over here. But I, if until Duke starts showing that what that he could do what they brought him in for, I, I'd be very cautious. I, he's my red light this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's been very disappointing seeing uh, how he performed and seeing the opportunity that Carlos Hyde is getting. Uh, definitely hurt hurt me a little bit because I really wanted to see Duke Johnson get the uh, the full workload, but I don't think he's done anything to garner to garner getting it. So um, I think that's a good call by you. I'm going to go ahead to the next game. I have the Rams in Cleveland taking on the Browns. Yes, I get the Browns game this week. Um, (laughs) And my green light is not a Brown. It's a Ram. It's Todd Gurley. Look, we saw the the Browns defense week one, Derrick Henry tore him apart, especially having some big plays in the passing game. And then we saw last week, you know, Le'Veon Bell really was the only threat for most of the game. And he still got it. He's still got some points, you know, uh, through the passing game and through the rushing game. So I think this rushing defense is still improving. Todd Gurley, I think, is going to get every opportunity. Look, this is this is a, a tough game. That that Cleveland team, look, this is a, a Sunday night game at home in Cleveland. They're that 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 crowd's gonna be uh gonna be raunchous, raunchy early. And I think uh with the Rockets crowd there, that Todd Gurley is going to get get the ball. He's gonna be a guy who can kind of quiet that crowd down. So I think Todd Gurley is going to have himself a nice game. What do you think, John? Uh, Todd Gurley's an excellent running back. He uh he proves that on a weekly basis. He he uh, he's, He's he was number one running back uh, last year for, or last year for a reason. Uh, you know, it's or two years ago for a reason. He's he's electric all the time. He can make a play anytime, anywhere on the field, catching, running. The Browns have a really good defense, especially a pretty good front line. And uh, but I, I, I like you said, Gurley is just he's somebody special. He's he's a green light almost every week, as far as I'm concerned. He's almost game script. Uh, you know whatever you call that, not he, there's nothing they can really do to game plan for Todd Gurley. I think he can make uh, you, he can make you a fan. He could be fantasy relevant every week. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's going to slow down that pass rush too, because the way you slow down a pass rush like Cleveland's, you know, with miles Garrett coming on the outside and what they did against the jets was, was impressive. The way you slow that down is by running the ball successfully. So yeah, I think just uh, running the ball, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I could see Gurley being used early and often. My yellow light here is Odell Beckham jr. Look, this guy, they're, they're going to get him the ball. Cleveland's made it clear through the first two weeks. They're going to use their playmaker. They're going to use Odell Beckham. He broke a long one against the Jets, and that really made his day, um, you know, getting that long touchdown. But even week one, when they were struggling to move the ball, Baker was struggling. He still had over 70 receiving yards. They made sure to feed him. They're going to get him the ball again. They're going to find ways to get Odell Beckham the ball. Um, I think that his ceiling is capped a little bit because it's a tough defense. This is a defense has a good pass rush as well. Um, this is a defense that uh, that's pretty good on the back half too. So I don't I don't think he's going to have a monster game, but I still think he's going to get his. So I would I would start Odell Beckham. I would. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do too much. I don't see a monster game here, but I I still think you could start him and and expect some decent numbers. What do you think, John? 
when you say monster game, what are you thinking? Are you like eighty yards, hundred yards? Like what's? I I could see I could see seventy to eighty yards, um, and and possibly an end zone trip. I'm thinking he's he, this guy's not. I mean, when you drafted Odell Beckham Jr., you know you drafted him as a top five wide receiver. You're hoping for you know these big one twenty five, one fifty yard games and a couple touchdowns or something. You know, I I, I wouldn't expect that. That's that's not going to be in the game script here. I think the Browns may ha- end up having to pass a little later in the game, but I I could see this game being pretty close. I mean, the spread is what three and a half. I think so. It's a it's a low spread. Um. And the, and the over under, I, I think even for the first half is pretty, pretty low. I think it's about 22 last I saw. So um, I, I could see this being a, a lower scoring game with these defenses. Uh, so I just don't see Odell Beckham Jr. really having a monster game, having a huge game, putting up those really big numbers. What do you think? Oh, I, I, you know, the Rams defense is nothing special. I mean, in the back in the back half anyway, the front is, you know, Sam Donald's a beast. But um, I uh I think the biggest problem Odell's going to have is Baker Mayfield. He's not as he's not panning out like everybody expected him to. Uh, you know, he was the the talk of the town all off season. Baker this, Baker that, and uh, he's kind of underperformed. I, that's his biggest enemy right now is is his quarterback. Uh, Odell can definitely do it by himself, but you know he's got to get the ball thrown to him. He's got to be in great situations, and he can't make acrobatic catches every week, every play. Uh, Mayfield's got to get him the ball. No, I agree with that, but I think I, I don't think that's Baker's fault. I think that's the community's fault for being overly hyped on a guy who really hadn't proved an awful lot to that point. Um, so, to me, it was overhyped because people just just bought into him at his his ceiling, and uh, and he's disappointing because he's not hitting that ceiling yet, and uh, that doesn't shock me personally. But um, real quick, my red white in this game is Jarvis Landry, and I really feel like. You know the, the the passing attack is going to to go through Odell Beckham. I could see the backs being used um, in this passing attack. I think Jarvis Landry might get lost in the fold here. I think it's really important for Cleveland to establish a tight end presence too. With David Njoku out, broken wrist. Um, uh, Demetrius Harris, is a, he he's a talented tight end. He's a guy who uh, showed flashes in Kansas City. Could just never get on the field with Kelsey there. Um, but this is a guy who's I mean he's really good. He, he's he's talented. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's big. He's athletic. He can do some things so i think it'll be uh interesting early on if they're going to try to establish that tight end presence i think it's going to come at the price of jarvis landry i don't see landry having a big game here um i would stay away if you have other options i think i would start them what do you think john yeah. are you on that yeah um I, I'm, I'm, I, I agree with this one Jar- jarvis doesn't really seem he can't really seem to get it going right now um and uh again if 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 OBJ is going to be held to 80 some yards, what do you think Landry's going to have? He'd probably be somewhere. I mean, yeah, I could see him maybe getting four, maybe five catches for maybe 50 yards if he's lucky in this one. So, and for fantasy points, that's maybe when you're looking for less than 10 points, that's somebody you drafted pretty, pretty high. You know, somewhere. I mean, not obviously the first couple of rounds, but you're you're expecting him to be one of your flex players. And if he's not going to produce as a flex player, I mean, it's you might have to look somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could, uh, I could definitely see that, John. You got the last game, my friend. The top Bears taking on the Redskins Monday Night Football. The Bears are actually favored in this game because of your favorite Mitchell Trubisky quarterback. Um, it's got to be because of him, right, John? So who is who is your green light here in this uh, in this barn burner? Uh, Trubisky, you know, it's uh, Allen Robinson's my green light. Um, he's the only real bright spot in this Bears offense. Uh, Trubisky is the only real anchor on this team right now. Um, if Robinson can continue to make plays, I, I, you know, he could be a shining star the rest of the season. Robinson is just a pure athlete. He's just a pure receiver. He's a pure everything. He's you know, when, he, when you get him going, he could be everything you want him to be on a football field. 
you know, he, he, he it's just Trubisky's got to find him. He's got. I mean, I, you see in the background, he's waving his hands. He's he's open. He's Trubisky's not making a plays, but uh, at some point in time, he's going to have a game. And you know, Redskins aren't that good on. They're not that good on defense. So I, I could see Robinson, you know, kind of breaking out this week, making plays happen, doing something, you know, do you know, racking up his yak after the catch. Uh, a Rob is my green light. What do you think? I love it, man. A, a- Rob's been the uh, the one steady contributor. I mean, last week he maybe not as much last week, but uh, but he he's he's the number one there. And so if anybody's going to put up numbers in the passing game, it's going to be A Rob. So I like them trying to establish that passing game this week, and I think that goes through Allen Robinson. Um, so who's your yellow light in this one? Uh, Case Keenum's got 600 plus yards already and five touchdowns in the first two games of the season. My boy, I, I don't think anybody would have thought of that would have happened uh, for Washington offense, Washington passing attack early in the season. Uh, that's kind of a magic trick for <laughs> it's. I think it's all smoke and mirrors right now in the, the first two games. Um, but you can put the air brakes on that. The Bears defense, no joke. They're they're going to shut this down. It's going to be a reality check for the Redskins. I don't think uh, you're going to see anything like 300 and. Two, two, five, two or three touchdowns this week. In case, how about you? What do you think? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, this is this is a uh, start if start if you have to. It's a tough defense, but uh, this is a guy who's been putting up some points. If this game does get you know get out of reach or something, I could see. I think Washington's going to have to throw the ball. They throw the ball a lot. Um, the the receivers are better there than than you know you would have thought you know to begin the season. So uh, very interesting. It's an interesting matchup again. Temper your expectations. This is a tough defense that can put pressure on the quarterback. But, uh, I mean, you know, right now with quarterback apocalypse, you might not have a better option as your QB2 in a super flex. So um, you could start them, just temper those expectations. What What do you think? Uh, what's your red-white? Who's the guy that you're definitely not starting? Uh, Case Kim is my yellow light because of the fact that he is going to have to throw the ball a lot because my red light's Adrian Peterson. I um, He'll once again be the beneficiary of the guy's injury, but um, uh, he's not going to do anything with that opportunity. Uh, it's it's going to be him, the, the Chris Thompson show, but it's uh, minimum yardage against this Bears number one defense. They can stop the run, they can stop the pass, they can stop everything. It's not like any, and there nothing's going to happen on the on the, on the run. And, and P- Peterson hasn't looked good at all this season, so. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That this is a, a red white, a stay away. Normal, you have a starting running back, and you know you you feel pretty good about it. This one's tough because Adrian Peterson, like you said, hasn't looked good at all, and uh, this is a pass first team in Washington. So, uh, John, I think that's it for us, man. Uh, before I let everyone go, I do want to, uh, to, Hey, follow John McLean on Twitter, um, at John McLean 75 at John M C G L Y N N seven, five on Twitter. Fantastic. Follow. Make sure you're following him. You can follow me at underscore James, the brain on Twitter. Also make sure to follow the Superflex super show at Superflex show on Twitter. Make sure to tag us in any trades, any questions that you have, send it to us at the show uh, at Superflex show. Uh, we'll be sure to retweet those, answer those. We might even answer those questions on the show as well. Also make sure you subscribe to us where you can um, and uh, follow us. You can do that on iTunes. Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also on DynastyLeagueFootball.com as part of the Great DLF family of podcasts. I'd like to thank um, Heart and Soul Radio for their use of the song The Addiction. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you. Stay sexy and super flexy. Good night. Thanks for listening.